If you didn't hear Messi part one, you have to go back and listen to it. We are not able, we are unable to deal with our mess on our own. And I want to tell y'all, this is the perfect season for you to realize that love is what makes Jesus' message so dangerous. Love is what makes his message so dangerous. Like, he loves us with a love that I don't think we really understand. And that's what makes it so dangerous. Like, it goes to lengths. It goes through things. It goes places that we can't imagine in order to save us. His love will navigate your hurt. His love will navigate your hurt. His love will navigate your trauma. His love will navigate your sickness. His love does things that we can't understand. And as I was preparing this sermon, I am more convinced than ever that if we perish and wake up in hell, it's because we did not receive the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost. Why you say that, Pastor? I say that because the love of Jesus is so strong and the power of the Holy Ghost is so strong. The only way you can die and go to hell is if you reject it. That means you fought with everything that was in you. That means you spent your life fighting with everything that was in you not to receive God. You can try to blame God all you want, but I'm telling y'all, he's fighting for you so hard to save you. And all he has asked us to do is to receive him in faith. Nothing else. He didn't ask you to save nobody else. He didn't ask you to fix your, fa to fix your family. He didn't ask you to save the world. He said, I just want you to receive me. That's all you have to do. So if you wake up, if you don't make it in, it's not because God didn't do what he was supposed to do. It's because you fought with everything within you to, to, to hold on to that pride. To hold on to what you want to do. To have it your way. You held on with everything to the very end. To your very last breath. You would not submit. There's no way that you can get out of this mess on your own. Matthew 12 and 32 tells us, Whoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world to come. I remember before I got saved, I remember sitting on the porch with my cousin and my friend. And we and my cousin and I were smoking, but my friend wasn't because he had just got into church. And I remember trying to convince him so hard that Jesus wouldn't care about us smoking. That Jesus would understand, like Jesus was my homeboy. Right? And I was so in error. I was so in error. And Jesus loves us enough. He's like, you know what? People going to get me like people going to misuse my name. They going to they going to put stuff on God. They going to they going to play church. They going to talk about Jesus. He says, I can still save them if they submit to the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is what corrects. The Holy Ghost is what lets you know It's eventually what taught me I was in error and I had to go back and repent. So sometimes sometimes we we we, we mischaracterize Jesus. And God is still dealing with us. But when you mischaracterize Jesus and you have no concern about getting it right and you fight with everything that's in you to keep getting Jesus wrong, you're going to wake up in hell. 
We got to stop acting as if God is not in the soul-saving business. I know a lot of times we make church about what we want and what we going through and how we hurting and, 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 and wanting to be married or have things or kids or jobs. We make, we make our service and our devotion to Lord about things. But I want to tell y'all, Jesus came to save souls. He didn't come to make you happy. That's icing on the cake. You still going to go through stuff. You still going to suffer. There are going to be times when you don't have. But the, the point is, he came to save your soul. This life is temporary, and I know some of y'all don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. And that's what I mean, you resisting the Holy Ghost. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to be content. You're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to have joy. You're never going to have peace if you don't receive the Holy Ghost. Because that's where it comes from. That's where all of those things come from. It comes from the Spirit. The Bible tells us to desire earnestly the best gift, which is the Holy Ghost. If you desire a recognition, if you desire people to pat you on the back, if you desire people to tell you you did a good job, if you want people to say thank you, if you want people to beg you to come to church and serve and do all of that stuff, you might never get that. Matter of fact, when you are serving of the Lord, you probably won't get that. It's going to be very few people that give you flowers while you're alive. And if you win it for that reason, you win it for the wrong reason. God is in the soul-saving business. And that's why I'm so thankful when I was at that altar and I was just thinking about Pastor Carter and, and 3PD. God said, I did that to save your life. I didn't, I didn't make you a pastor so you could feel good about pastoring. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't put you in ministry so that you could accomplish things, so that you could check stuff off your body. He said, I had to give you a purpose, right? Because if you don't have a purpose, you're just wandering through life. And you don't understand what it's for. And if you're not walking in your purpose, you're just wandering through life, not understanding what you're living for. It's like that song, what am I living for if God is not real? And so I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to, just like I did with Messy Part 1, Messy Part 2, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you an Old Testament narrative and a New Testament narrative. And I'm going to be in Numbers chapter 12. I'm going to be a little in Job and a little in Mark. But it, and I'm going to be in Leviticus 13 and 14. In Leviticus 13 and 14, this is about skin diseases, rashes. It's like 50-some verses. It's long. And they keep saying the same thing over and over again. And it's very confusing. Then I had to sit and I had to pray because it talks about if you got this rash and it turned this color, and then if the hair turned that color, you got to do this and then you got to do that and then say that over like seven times. And I was very confused. And then God gave me Numbers 12 verses 1 through 16. It says, and y'all can remain seated, it says Moses had married a Cushite woman, an Ethiopian. She was chocolate. She was black. She was dark-skinned. Moses had married a Cushite woman. And Miriam and Aaron, that's Moses' brother and sister, they criticized him for it. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? The Lord heard what they said. Moses was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on the earth. Suddenly, like I noticed, I noticed how God just threw that in that Moses was a humble man. 
Summoning the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, I want the three of you to come out of the tent of my presence. Come out to the tent of my presence. They went, and the Lord came down in a pillar of a cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent, and called out, Aaron, Miriam. The two of them stepped forward, and the Lord said, Now hear what I have to say. When there are prophets among you, I reveal myself to them in visions and speak to them in dreams. It is different when I speak to my servant Moses. I have put him in charge of all my people Israel, so I speak to him face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He has even seen my form. How dare you speak against my service, my servant Moses? The Lord was angry with him, and so as he departed and left, and so as he departed and the cloud left the tent, Miriam's skin was suddenly covered with a dreaded disease and turned white as snow. When Aaron looked at her and saw that she was covered with the disease, he said to Moses, please, sir, do not make us suffer this punishment for our foolish sin. Don't let her become like something born dead with half his flesh eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, oh God, heal her. The Lord answered, if her father had spit in her face, she would have to bear disgrace for seven days. So let her be shut out of the camp for a week, and after that, she can be brought back in. Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back in. Okay, so context with that, they were in the wilderness, and they were headed to the promised land. So while, while, while Miriam was put out the camp for seven days, God said, y'all wait right there she do her time. Then the word says, then they left Hezroth and set up camp in the wilderness of Pardon. God placed a physical mark of exclusion on Miriam because she spoke against God's servant. Now you might be saying, what that got to do with skin diseases, Pastor? I told you it was very confusing. How many of y'all seen somebody with leprosy? Exactly. And I say, God, why don't we see lepers all over the place? If you do see them, they're probably in a third world country. But one of the reasons that we don't see leprosy anymore is because of modern medicine. Right? Because of modern medicine. And people catching stuff early. And all of the advances that have been made. And so I start to say to myself, okay, God, I start to make a connection with everything that we have, all of these things that we use to fix ourselves and our lack of faith. See, back then, if something happened to you, you didn't have no choice but to trust God. You couldn't run the convenient care for your healing. You couldn't go get no antibiotics for your healing. You couldn't go, to, to go get no surgery. You couldn't go get no over-the-counter drugs. You couldn't hit Google and try to figure out what this thing is. You don't know what this thing is. Only thing you could do was what Aaron did. Lord, heal her. Right? They, they associated this thing that's happening in my physical body with something that I have done wrong. Now we just do wrong and think it's everybody else's fault or God's fault. It's everybody's fault except ours. 
And I know that's troubling for somebody because somebody going to say, so what you mean when we do something wrong? God got a disease? I got an answer for that. But what, I'm, what I will tell you is sometimes when you do something wrong, your body tell, tell the story on you too. We, we, we try to paint this picture like God has changed over time. No, he has not changed over time. The only thing that has happened is we have tried to figure out ways or loopholes to get around God's judgment or to get around God's signs. God, oh, you boy, I don't have to do this. I can just do this. I don't have to spend time with you. I can just watch a YouTube video that count. I don't have to praise you for real. I can just put on some music. I don't have to read my Bible. I can just listen to a podcast. I don't have to give. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. As if God, as if his requirements for us have changed. No, we have changed. Human beings, think about the Tower of Babel. They thought I could build a tower to the heavens. They were trying to be like God. So what did God do? He said, I'm going to scatter you. Give you different tongues. You ain't gonna be able to understand each other. I'm gonna I'm I'm mess you up because you get you you think that you're smarter than I am. And so we have used modern things to to kind of block away what God is trying to do. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. God said, "Okay, I'm gonna mark you." I'm going to turn your skin white. I'm going to put a mark on you so everybody that looks at you knows you out of order. And I need you to go outside the camp for seven days. We ain't going to leave tonight. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. But you're going to have to go outside the camp. He said, if your natural daddy had got on you, you was going to have to be grounded for a little while. We say, I'm, I'm God and I'm giving the punishment, so you going there's gonna be a consequence. Y'all better stop thinking that there's no just because God loves you. The fact that He ain't move on without you, that He say we're gonna stay put and wait till you get 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 right. That's love, but stop thinking because He loves you that there's no consequences for what you do. He said, You're gonna have to sit outside the camp for a little bit. Now, that third verse says that Moses was a humble man, more humble than anybody on the earth. God turned her skin white because she spoke against the man of God. And I want to be clear. Everybody today, everybody today that's, that, that call themselves a man of God or a woman of God, they not. They not. You can go online and get a license and marry people now. You can go online and get a minister license in a couple of days if you pay the money. Everybody that's called, right? So you better be very careful when you talk about the men and women of God. I don't know if y'all caught, I don't know if y'all caught when I was reading when God was talking to all three of them. Because I want y'all to understand that Miriam and Aaron. We're servants of the Lord. They were prophets. God spoke to them in visions and dreams. But he said, I talked to Moses a little bit different. See, some of us have a problem with that. Some of us have a problem with certain people having a little bit more anointing than we have. And that's why we don't want to listen because nowadays everybody can be a Bible scholar. Everybody got an opinion. Everybody can get on Twitter. Everybody can post something on Instagram about their relationship with God. 
Everybody can 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 quote verses or 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 hit the little app on your on, on your phone and, and send out a Bible verse to your family. Everybody can be a minister now. Everybody got the same level of anointing. That ain't what the words say. He say I talk to Moses a little bit different than I talk to y'all. How dare you talk about him? Lord, I thank you. But even in that era, God gave Aaron and Miriam an opportunity to continue on the journey to the promised land. But Miriam had to go through a restoration in the cleaning process. See, some of y'all, when I said, man, he put her outside the camp for seven days, you thought that was a punishment. God said, I got to sit you down to restore you. Stop thinking that when God does something or he takes you through something, he's doing it to punish you. If he wanted to leave you, he could have left you. If he wanted to take you out, he can take you out. If he wanted to stop you from doing anything, he can stop you. But he gives you free will to make a choice. And that's why I say I'm more convinced than ever that if we wake up in hell, it's because that's where we choose. That's where we wanted to be. We didn't want to be where God was. We didn't want to be where his correction was. We didn't want to obey. We want to do what we want to do. You can't do what you want to do in this life. And then think, I'm going to go be with God. Because everybody that go go be with God is going to have obeyed. They're going to have submitted. You can't keep going through life thinking you're going to have it your way. You got to submit. He had to take Miriam through a restoration and a cleaning process. And of course, that cleaning process is described where? In Leviticus. It's described in Leviticus. These chapters contain a lot of repetitive statements, but the formula is straightforward. If you had a skin disease that was spreading or contagious, so you see, sometimes the rash was spread. Sometimes the rash didn't spread. Depending on whether it was grown or spread or had pus in it or whatever, if it was contagious, you had to go outside the camp. If the priest looked at it and he saw that, it was like, okay, you're going to be okay. That's just such and such and such. You could stay. They would declare you clean or unclean. So if you had a skin disease that wasn't getting better, you had to be isolated. Then the priest would reevaluate you before you could rejoin the camp. Right? But see, modern medicine, and I'm saying modern medicine, but our modern brains think I can self-diagnose. I can self-diagnose my trauma. I can self-diagnose my relationship. I can self-diagnose my marriage. I can self-diagnose my children. I can self-diagnose my job. And I can fix myself. I write my own prescription. Because everybody a minister. Everybody a doctor. Everybody a surgeon. I can write my own prescription. And I can fix myself. I don't have to be isolated. Let, just, let me just pop the ibuprofen. I'm going to be all right. Let me just keep pushing forward even though God say stop. Let me keep going forward even though God say rest. Let me, let, let me, let me keep fighting even, even though God say trust me. That medicine, that's, that stuff you're doing is not going not gonna to fix, not going to heal what's wrong with you. Lord, I thank you. So in both Miriam's story, and, and I'm going to read Job in here, because in both Miriam and Job's story, we see two people affected by skin ailments for two different reasons. Miriam was murmuring against God, so God said, I'm going I'm to turn you white. Job, his skin ailment was a test of faith. 
His skin ailment was a test of faith. But both stories have something in common. The danger in making judgments on your own. The dangers in judging others. The danger in speaking evil of God's people, which is basically speaking evil of God. In short, right, it's when we start to think that we got our mind, body, and soul all figured out. And we can tell God what to do. Both stories. We go through life. I look at Sister Tony and she going through something. I say, like Job's friends. Oh, she going through that because she did X, Y, and Z. That's why God don't he ain't favor her right now. Then I look at Miriam and say, oh, Miriam a prophet and she rolled with her brother, her brother Aaron and Moses. So she going through a test of faith right there. But actually what I just said is the opposite of what God was doing. Y'all understand why, why the word says don't judge God is the ultimate judge. The Bible says God reigns on the just and unjust alike. Stop trying to figure out why stuff is happening. When I say figure out, I'm not I'm saying in yourself. Stop trying to figure stuff out in yourself about why this is happening to me. If, if, if missionary Octavia got the skin rash, I can't determine why she got the rash. The priests were not, when you read it, the priests were not medical doctors. They were not medical doctors. But whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit was speaking in them, whatever God was speaking in them, they knew when somebody was cleaning and when they went not clean. And they would say, come on back into the camp. But that person had to go. That person had to be isolated. Miriam had to go. I can only imagine. Imagine if you marry him and you sitting outside the camp for seven days trying to figure out and having to wrestle with all that talking you were doing about Moses. Wondering, man, I wonder if they left. I wonder if they went on without. I wonder if this going to go away. It's been three days and it still ain't going away. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Lord, I thank you. In Job 42, verse 7 and 8, it says, After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Job's friend, I am angry with you and your two friends because you did not speak the truth about me the way my servant Job did. Now take seven bulls and seven rams to Job and offer them as a sacrifice for yourself. Job will pray for you and I will answer his prayer and not disgrace you the way that you deserve. You did not speak the truth about me as he did. I want y'all to understand what them two stories have in common. Job and Moses were both faithful servants and humble. Were they perfect? No. We know Moses wasn't perfect. Moses was a murderer. But once God got a hope to Moses, and Moses submitted himself to God, right? God turned that thing around. The same thing with Job. Job lost everything. And his friends tried to make it seem like you losing everything because God is mad at you. They were diagnosing Job's situation. But in both cases, in, in Miriam's case and in Job's case, God 
was the ultimate judge. And the restoration of the guilty parties, guess what, dog? Guess what the people who were doing all that talking had to do? This is another reason why a bunch of people going to hell. Guess what the guilty parties had to do? They had to return to the person that they talked about and ask them, can you pray for me? You think you can just talk about people, judge? And when I say talk about people, I want y'all to understand what I'm saying. You think that you can talk evil of God. And let me make it make sense. I already told y'all everybody ain't real. But when somebody is real and you speak evil, you're going to have to go back. Like when you speak evil, like God ain't called him. God ain't said that. God ain't did this. You better be careful. Because the very people that you talk about, in order for you to get to the next step, in order for Miriam to get back in the camp, she had to be reevaluated by the priest. She had to, like, in order for her, like, understand, Aaron knew, because Aaron was a Levite. Aaron was a priest. As soon as Miriam turned right, Aaron said, he turned to Moses and said, Moses, please pray for her. He said, so that this disease won't make her like something half-born and eat up her flesh. Please, he immediately turned. He said, forgive us for our what? For our foolish sin. And that's why a lot of people, right? Because that pride, you won't turn. You won't turn. And I got this in here. I wasn't gonna say it, but I'm gonna say it. I thank I thank God for my son, Trez. I thank God for Bible study. And I want y'all to understand. So I know a lot of y'all were not there, but in Bible study, he he basically just confessed that something I said to him years ago. At the time, it hurt him, but he he basically just said he understood it, and I don't feel like I don't feel I don't feel like during that time he spoke evil of me, but I just knew that he was hurt based on what I said, and so well, the reason I'm telling that story is because even though he said it to me, it wasn't for me; it was for him. It was between him and God, and it was his restoration process. Because he didn't hurt, like I wasn't the one that was caring. I wasn't caring it. He was caring. He brought it to me, right? But it was really for God. And the other reason was for God because what I said to him was not for me. I wasn't the one that hurt. He was hurt because of what God said. And that's what he had to wrestle with. I hope y'all are picking up on that. And that's how you know when somebody is of the Lord and when they're not. Because what they say, like what they say, y'all have heard me say several times, God got a special place in hell for me if I lead his people astray. Y'all be holding on to stuff that's in my notes. Y'all be holding on to stuff that's going to keep you out of heaven. Holding on to stuff against your parents. Holding on to stuff against your siblings. You won't deal with your trauma. You won't deal with your stuff. Y'all be holding on to stuff. All of that stuff going to keep you outside the camp. When Jesus comes back to reevaluate, when Jesus comes back, right, you outside the camp. He trying not, he not, he trying not to leave with, without you. But if he comes back to do a reevaluation and you're not ready, you're not going to make it in. You're not going to make it in. 
During the time outside the camp, y'all listen to this. During the time outside of the camp, this is in Leviticus, the afflicted, whoever had this dreaded skin disease, that's called a sin. Whoever had this dreaded disease called sin was required to tear their clothes. Y'all show this pretty with this Christmas stuff. They were required to tear their clothes, dishevel their hair. Ladies, y'all had show this pretty. They had to dishevel their hair. They had to cover their mouth and cry out. Unclean, unclean. Unclean, unclean. In order to be healed, you got to know you see. You can dress up all you want. You can be pretty to be in the presence of the Lord. But really, God wants you ugly in his presence. He wants you ugly in his presence. He wants you disheveled. He wants you towed down. He wants you broke down. Right? He wants to strip away all that face stuff, strip you down to nothing so that he can clothe you with a white garment that's dipped in the blood of the lamb. He want to change your name. He want to take you from Abram to Abraham. He want to take you from Jacob to Israel. Huh? Y'all understand? He want to take you from, 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 from Saul to Paul. He wants to change you. But in order to change you, he got to break you down. You got to be isolated for a period in your life. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to rip up everything that's not of God. You're going to have to get disheveled. Stop trying to be so concerned about being pretty. In the spiritual and in the natural. And to be concerned about being holy because that's the only way you're going to get interest back in. If you got the dreaded disease called sin. These chapters are a lesson in fear and compassion. Miriam's murmuring was serious. God, why would you do this? All she did was just a little murmuring. And that's her brother. How many of y'all talk about y'all brother and sister? Like, they're my brother. I can talk about my brother like that. Right? Miriam's murmuring was serious and dangerous. It could have spread like a wildfire. If the people closest... If the people closest to Moses didn't even believe that he was called a God. Man, you heard what Mary said about Moses? You know she know. That's his sister. Now, how many other people in the camp don't believe? Now, how many other people have gone to idolatry? I could see if Moses was not real, but the third verse told me that Moses was more humble than any man that was on the earth. So you can't say that's why she was talking. No, that's why God put that little nugget in there to let you know Moses was real. Her skin changing color was an outward sign that revealed the sin in her heart. Sometimes the stuff that's happening to you and happening around you is revealing the sin that's in your heart. Every situation you got in, you didn't get in that because it just happened. You get, you got in it because you placed yourself in it. You decided to date that person. You decided to open your legs. You decided to smoke that weed. You decided to steal. You decided to date a married person. Because why? You wanted it. You decided to look at that porn. Now you're trying to get it out your head. You decided to do that. God didn't make you do that. You didn't just wake up and fall into that. You decided that. 
And so now when you look at your situation and it's jacked up, your situation is a reflection of your heart. So you saying everything that bad happened to me is wrong? No, because Job's, in Job's case, his outer appearance and circumstance was revealing the character of his heart. What you mean? Everything. Job lost all his children. Right? But anybody with a spiritual mind could have seen, even though Job was going through all of that, he still remained faithful. He still didn't curse God. He still showed up for God. He kept on serving. He kept on giving. He kept on trusting. See, that's the problem. We don't have spiritual eyes. We look at everybody the same. Some people's situation is a result of their choices and other people's situation is because God is trying to get the glory. He's trying to reveal what character. He's trying to reveal, like he's trying to give somebody a testimony so that they understand, so other people understand what a real witness look like. A real witness is when everything in my life is falling apart, but you see me standing on the word of God. Everybody can't, y'all know everybody can't do that, right? Everybody can't do that. Some stuff, little stuff starts, somebody car tell. They don't come to church for three months because of their car. Well, you know, Pastor ain't got, everybody in the church got a car. You ain't calling nobody one time to say, come pick you up. That's revealing the character of your heart. You didn't want to be at church. Your car tearing up was just a, a reason for you not to be here. But a faithful person is going to be like, I got to find a way. I got to find a way. Sister, I know. I'm getting on your nerves. I give you gas money, but I got to be in the house. So different people respond to different situations differently. Some people may fall apart because they 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 ain't right. Other people marriage fall apart because somebody somebody ain't, ain't got the, the Lord. And you heard me say somebody. It might not be you. When you get married, the Bible says you become one. You're supposed to be a three-fold cord with the Lord. It's supposed to be you, the spouse, and the Lord. You're supposed to be equally yoked. And stop, let me say this to the unmarried folks. Stop thinking. You're going to make somebody be equally yoked with you. You ain't that strong. You ain't that strong. A God the only person that can clean up somebody's mess. You can't change nobody. Amen. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you got, you can't change them. If you could, you wouldn't need Jesus. You wouldn't need him. You could do it yourself. So I need y'all to understand what Samuel meant in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. He says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, but the height of his stature. He was because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the Lord looketh on the for man looketh on the outer appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. We be looking at the outer appearance. Even in even at ourselves, we look in the mirror. Right? And I'm calling the mirror our life. We look around and we say, man, all this stuff is happening in my life. And then we try to assign a reason to it. You better look at that thing with God's eyes. Let the Holy Ghost tell you what's happening. And then trust in what the Holy Ghost is saying. Don't block it out. Because if you block it out, you're going to make a, a, the wrong choice. You're going to make the wrong choice. James, we've been reading James. James also taught us, James also taught us not to make judgments based on our appearance. 
But what I can do is judge the spirit by the spirit. In this sense, it's the Holy Spirit judging and not me. So what about Jesus? Why is Jesus a prescription? In Leviticus, we see exclusion. Jesus is all about inclusion. And I'm not talking about inclusion like they use the word today. Everybody want to be included. Can't say nothing to nobody. I ain't talking about that kind of inclusion. You're living a sinful lifestyle, they got to go. But Jesus is about inclusion. In Leviticus, they put Miriam outside the camp. The Jesus in that scenario is that they didn't leave her. They waited, right? Miriam was allowed to speak against Moses and still resume her journey. But if Miriam had a guy sitting out there in the wilderness and just stayed mad and just stayed bitter, God was going to be out there and just die out there in the wilderness. If God sits you down or God take you through something to correct you, the faster you receive that thing, the faster you can resume with your journey. The longer, the longer you sit out there and be bitter and complain and mope and lay in the dark room and in the bed and be sad all the time and crying all the time, I've been trying to figure out where your Jesus at. I know stuff going to hurt sometimes and you're going to have to cry sometimes, but you ain't got to cry all the time. When you going to get up and fight? See, y'all want to bring the devil in here and then let pastor fight, but you won't even fight the devil in your house. Fight the devil in your house. You can't resist the correction of the Holy Ghost. You can't be thinking that scripture is not talking to you. The word is talking to you. When we see the results of living in a messy, unclean, and fallen world, it's hard to tell who's Miriam and who's Job. Sometimes we might even struggle with discerning which one of them we are. Right? We'd be saying, am I suffering because I've done something wrong or murmuring in my heart against you, Lord? Or is the suffering the test? But when you realize that everything is unclean and Jesus is the only one that can clean you, it makes you free to worship. See, you be sitting there, you spending all that time trying to figure out why I just worship. Because either way, the only way you're going to get out of it is God. Whether it's your fault or not, whether it's your mama fault or not, whether it's your sister fault, brother fault, whoever fault it is, just worship. That's the only way you're getting out of it. I just saved y'all a bunch of time. A bunch of time trying to rack your brain to figure out why. Why this? Why that? Why this? Why that? Worship. That's why. You need Jesus. That's why. We all need Jesus. Your husband needs Jesus. Why? Why, why my children do this? They need Jesus. Why my mama got cancer? She need Jesus. Why this happened to such and such? They need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. He's the prescription. I'm almost done. I'm coming in, JJ. I'm going to leave y'all with Mark. Chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. It says, a man suffering from a dreaded skin disease came to Jesus. He knelt down and begged him for help. The man said, if you want to, he said, if you want to, he said, you can make me clean. Jesus was filled with pity and reached out and touched him. I do want to, he answered. Be clean. Some of y'all. You don't even realize you got leprosy. You sit 
in a room with people and don't even realize you isolated. That's why you can sit in the room, you can sit in the church. Somebody texts me today and say, can you come to church and, you sit and still be lost? I said, absolutely. Right? They didn't leave Miriam. She was still part of the people, but she was isolated. She was isolated because God needed to work some things out in her life. And God is waiting for you to say, Jesus, if you want to, you can take me out of here. You can, if, Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. And I want y'all to understand when you ask that question in sincerity, Jesus' response is not going to change. Jesus is going to say, I want to. Now be clean. So when Jesus says, I want to, now be clean, you can't go back and jump in the dirt again. The Bible says that's like a dog returning to his vomit. If Jesus says, daughter, I'm willing to make you clean, you can't go back and jump in the dirt again. When you like, think about the prodigal son. He was out there in the pig pen in slop. When his daddy let him back in the house, had a robe and a ring waiting on him, how dumb of that would, would it be for him to go back and say, I'm going back to the pig pen now? After all he had done, his father still let him back in the house. How crazy would that be to go back? That man said, Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I do. I do. I do. I want to make you clean. And it says at once, the disease left the man and he was clean. Then Jesus spoke sternly to him and sent him away at once. After saying to him, listen, don't tell anyone about this, but go straight to the priest and let him examine you. That's Leviticus. Then in order to prove everyone, like, let them examine you. Then in order to prove to everyone that you are cured, offer the sacrifice that Moses offered. That's Leviticus. But the man went away and began to spread the news everywhere. Indeed, he talked so much that Jesus could not go into the town publicly. Instead, he stayed out in lonely places. And people came in to him from everywhere. Why did Jesus tell the man, don't tell nobody? He just said, just go out for the sacrifice and let that be it. Why did Jesus do that? Jesus did that because sometimes when Jesus moves in our life, this will be messed up. Jesus will start moving in your life. You will start getting so excited. That you think you're done. You ain't got nothing else to do. Then when you fall, or then when you mess up, guess who you just made it harder for? Jesus. You made it harder for Jesus. Because my bad week, sis was on high. She would tell my God. She would praise. And she would do Nah. She don't even know if she believed. I don't even know if I believe. Y'all remember that the dreaded what Miriam did was speaking evil that made that could have made people doubt God, right? So, so now, Pastor, you saying that I, when God do something for me, Pastor, I don't say nothing at all? No, that's not what the word said. He said, "Go offer the sacrifice that Moses offered," right? And that sacrifice was to rip your clothes, dishevel your hair. Close your mouth. It's like close your mouth, but then it said cry out. 
So close your natural mouth and worship. And that's going to show, right? That's going to show that you have been restored. Your worship is show, shows you restored. Not when you're on the high because you just got something you wanted. It's your worship when you're in the valley. And it's your worship when you're on the mountaintop. How you handle success and how you handle failure is what shows whether you clean or not. Not what you be saying, God did this and God did that and I'm happy and I'm happy and happy. Then as soon as something happens, you say it again. I've been in this church and I, I, was, I was like, I was halfway offended when they told me that I didn't have no emotions. But now y'all understand why. Because I be like this. Hey, Pastor, do you ever go through stuff? Yes. Yes. Do your feelings ever get hurt? Yes. Do you ever get sad? Yes. Do you ever get disappointed? Yes. But what kind of what kind of encouragement would that be to see y'all pastor walk around moping all the time? And when you need hope, I ain't got no word for you because I'm I'm doubting myself. Got nothing for you, sis. I'm going through it too. I don't know. I be asking the same thing. I be asking the same thing. Like, God, where are you? What? That's the kind of pastor that y'all want? That's the, that's the type of person you want giving you spiritual guidance? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The only way out of this mess is Jesus. got the dreaded disease. All of us got the dreaded disease. Sometimes God say, okay, it's good. It's going to clean up on its own. Sometimes when that thing starts spreading, God going to say, okay, I need you to go isolate. I need you to go isolate. Tear your clothes. Just shovel your hair. Cry out to God. And I'm going to reevaluate you in a little bit. And then when I reevaluate you, come on back in. So let me say, let me say this for the folk that like to get in their feelings. When I say go outside the camp, that don't mean stop coming to church. That means go somewhere and talk to God. Pastor told me to isolate. So I went, I ain't wanna, I ain't wanna come to church. I was isolated. No, that's not what I'm saying. That means go somewhere and get right with God. Talk to God about whatever it is, whatever that trying to spread in your life say God I need you to put an end to this spread, an end to this doubt an end to this fear an end to this worry an end to this anxiety, stop the spread of this thing, go get yourself together, stop the spread of this thing so that when y'all know that it's supposed to be like this right here is supposed to be a place of praise right it's supposed to be a place of rejoicing but see, y'all try to come here and, and get fixed. But you won't praise him in your house. That's when it's that way to say, tell me who here done injured you? Pastor ain't injured you. Go home and fight them folks that been injuring y'all and hurting y'all feelings. Come back and praise and give God glory for, for every battle won that happened out there. When you see your, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in. When you see your 
your situation change. And, and let me say this. When I say situation, I'm talking about you. When you see yourself change. A year ago, I would have been fighting. A year ago, I would have been cussing. A year ago, I would have ran. A year ago, I would have stayed mad at my hood for two months. But now I'm only mad one month. Now I'm only mad one day. Come back and give God praise for victories won. For changing you. For making you better. Y'all know the weapons of your warfare is not cardinal like. He done told you to use your mouth, Sister Chanel. He done told you today, minister. You gotta praise him. You gotta worship. 